Hi, this is Lauren from Discovery Church. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. We hope that you find value and that is very impactful to your life today. Have a great one. Good morning, Discovery Church. It's great to see you all. Thank you. Um, it's my privilege to welcome our guest speaker today as our lead pastors, Lauren and Shauna Lee, are away on a much-needed family time and holiday. Yeah, you can sit down. Anyways, I would like to welcome this morning Matt Joy to the stage. There we go. Perfect. What an honor to be at Discovery today and with the Discovery family. Uh, some familiar faces in the room, some new friendships made today, and uh, it, I must say it feels uh, very much at home. Um, one of the best things that you can do as a church family is to create space for your leaders to rest, rejuvenate, recover, and invest in their home and family, and I love that you're doing that today. Uh, so quite honored, Lauren and Shauna Lee and myself and Kayla go back years and years and years and years to the east coast of our country. You'll likely hear that in an accent throughout this morning. Uh, but uh, yeah, just can't say enough about the leaders that God has appointed to shepherd this family. And uh, you are blessed and honored to, to be following their lead. And I and my family are blessed and honored to be here and to be a part of your family today. So good. Uh, the Battle of Alberta. All right. It, I mean, if you haven't yet, I mean, you've got to feel it by now. And tonight, I'm, this has to be one of the most inclusive churches I've seen and ever been a part of. You had a Calgary Flames fan as an usher today. Name tag, discovery, and all. Phil, unreal. Like, what a church. We'll take, we'll invite anybody. Anybody belongs here. I love it. I want to share a, a talk today that comes right out of your core value as a family and as a church. And it's called Love is Our Answer. And to do so, let me first introduce you to somebody who was ridiculed for their looks, uh, felt like he was alone in a crowd, ostracized, judged, left to fend for himself in a whole new world and space. He was in middle school. Middle school can be brutal in the best of times. But this was uh, even more amplified. For all the feelings that he was pr processing, it was like no man's land for him stepping into this territory, completely vulnerable, with no place to hide. He was 10 years old. His name is August Pullman, or Augie, as he came to be known by. And he lives in Brooklyn, New York, with his mother, Isabel, father, Nate, older sister, Via, and dog, Daisy. Augie was born with a rare facial deformity and has undergone 27 different surgeries in order to see and smell and hear without a hearing aid. Augie has been homeschooled uh, in, in a sense of protection and giving him his best chance to thrive academically and not have to deal with the social pressures that would come from being in school with all of the challenges medically that he's been facing. But as he approaches fifth grade, his parents decide to enroll him in a private school in Beecher Prep. And it didn't start well, as you can imagine. A movie and a book that captures his story is called Wonder. A lot of you in the room probably have seen it or read it to this point. If you haven't, I strongly encourage you to do so because it will hit all the feels in all the right ways. And in the movie, there's this powerful scene at the end of his first day at school. He's emotionally spent, as you can imagine, of what he's going through. And he's being short with his parents at the dinner table. 
He storms off to his room and slams the door and his mom follows. And I want to show you this clip Alyssa has prepared to show you today. We can wrap it there. Why do I have to be so ugly? You're not ugly, Augie. <clears throat> well, you have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it means the most. And I, that line has been repeated in our home a few times. Uh, I love this interaction. It's a reminder that the person who knew him the most was the most qualified to speak to his value and his worth. <clears throat> Maybe you felt defined by your worst days. Somewhere along your journey, you messed up, made a mistake, or had a regret on a decision that you thought you were going full on in the right direction, but landed somewhere you never dreamed you would land. Or maybe there's a series of things you let slip and a drift kind of happened, and you end up in a place in your journey in life where you're like, how did I get here? There's maybe a sense of shame or guilt, uh, the fact that I arrived here. Whatever the case, you likely know what it is to stop and feel some of those senses of being defined by your worst day or your, or your worst decisions. Um, and maybe you know exactly how it feels to be labeled for whatever reason. It might be similar circumstances where there's, there's something physical, maybe something social, something going on where you know what that feels like to be on the other end of that kind of judgment. Or, or the guilt of, of a decision made or a past mistake. Maybe you know what it's like to wear the, of the, the weight of wearing a mask, a feeling like you have to hide what has been or what is or pretend to be something that you're not or to, to feel like you have to fit a different mold in order to belong, in order to be accepted. Whether that shame or guilt is your story or something that you've had to process or are processing through or, or you know someone in your life, in your circle of influence who is wrestling through that right now, there's, there's some good news. <laughs> There's good news that you hear each and every week, and there's some good news that I want to remind you of, packed right in the heart of your core values, right here, right now at Discovery Church. One of my favorite quotes when wrestling through these kinds of thoughts and walking with people and even journeying with myself comes from uh, author and pastor Tim Keller out of New York. And Keller says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of self-righteousness and fortifies us against any difficulty that life will throw at us. And just like Augie's mom was the expert in his value today, I come and visit and remind you that God sees right where you are. Maybe you're here like me, your first time at Discovery Church. God sees right where you are, knew you were going to be here right now. And this very morning, he sees you and knows you and loves you. And his love is the answer for whatever it is that you're facing today, whatever it is that you're processing. And if you're listening and, and you're at a place of you're feeling confident in your journey, you're growing in your discipleship of following Jesus, you're maturing as a believer, as a Christ follower, if you're in that place, come with me in this because love is not only God's answer for us, it's our best answer to the world around us. I jokingly referred to the Battle of Alberta, but if you've been paying attention at all over these last couple of years, people have been trying to pull you into either or of many different battles. Lots of tension, lots of conflict all around us. And in the midst of that, as we navigate our way of following Jesus, love is our best 
answer. And I love that you've identified that as a church. So come with me. Jesus had finished just unpacking his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the first book of the New Testament. And, and a lot of commentators kind of describe this as his manifesto. Here's this new way of life. Follow me into this way, and you'll experience not only the blessing of God, but life to the fullest. And coming on the heels of that, the crowd is leaning in. People are in awe of, of, of what he's teaching because it's so counter to their culture, so counter to anything they have heard up to this point. And as he concludes, the crowds didn't disperse, but they stayed close. And what they were about to see was that this mission wasn't just in word alone. He was about to rock their world and their presuppositions with demonstrations of power and breaking of barriers that have been built up in society, but also through religion. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, I want to kind of walk us through this little narrative that happens on the heels of the Sermon on the Mount. Starts this way, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down from the mountainside where he was teaching. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. You see, the physical condition of the leper, it was terrible. Even those of us who don't know much about it, you, what you do know is that that would be horrible. We haven't had the lived experience here in, in our culture, in our society, to know it firsthand likely. But historian Josephus tells us that lepers were treated as if they were, in, in effect, already dead. Immediately as leprosy was diagnosed, the leper was absolutely and completely banished from society. Community and connection and human touch, gone. I mean, that alone... Uh, we, we can relate to it in, in terms of how important that is and how much we need it and long for it. They had to live alone, outside of the city limits even. They were forced to wear torn clothes, have disheveled hair, and as they went anywhere, they were required to call out, unclean, unclean, to let everybody else around them who may not know yet, I have leprosy. In the Middle Ages, if a man became a leper, the priest brought the man into the church, read the burial service over him. For all human purposes, this individual was dead. In Palestine, in the time of Jesus, the leper was barred from Jerusalem and all towns that were surrounded by walls. The Jewish law had 61 different contacts regarding leprosy that would defile someone without leprosy. And that defilement involved contact with a leper. Uh, defilement that involved contact with a leper was only second to that which involved contact with a dead body. We're getting a sense of the context here as this man with leprosy approaches Jesus. If a leper so much as put his head into a house, the house became unclean even to the roof beams. And in an open place, it was illegal to greet a leper. No one was to come nearer to a leper than six feet. There was never any disease, had been any disease so, that so separated a person from society and from others as leprosy did. And this was the man who approached Jesus on the heels of describing and walking people through what a different way looks like, a man with leprosy comes to him and he says this, Lord, if you are willing, can you heal, heal me and make me clean? Lord, if you are willing, would you heal me and make me clean? Don't miss how different this was. Again, we get a sense of the context in terms of the laws but no leper would have ever come near an orthodox scribe or rabbi. He knew too well that he would be stoned or uh, at worst stoned or at least excommunicated even further. But this man came to Jesus. He had an incredible confidence in Jesus' willingness after hearing maybe a little bit of the rumblings or, or the teaching itself through others to welcome him when anybody else would have driven him away. 
It tells us again that no one should ever feel that they've arrived at this place of being too unclean or being filled with too many regrets or having done too much. That that, don't, that space doesn't exist. His confidence, though, wasn't arrogant. It wasn't demanding. He knew what was up. He knew his position. And he knew any act of mercy would be his only hope in the situation of Jesus being willing to do anything for him. He didn't demand healing. He said, if you are willing, would you make me clean? It was as if he said, I know I don't matter to the society around me that I'm in. I know what other people think of me and I know they'd run from me and would have nothing to do with me. I know that I have no claim on you, Jesus, but perhaps even a leper like me gets attention in your presence. Perhaps even with all of those barriers and obstacles, you are willing to come close. And Jesus, in verse 3, says, or Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. To a Jew, there would probably be no more amazing uh, sentence in, in the entirety of the New Testament scriptures than Jesus reached out and touched him. Because of all that context that we just shared, just step into that for a moment and what that must have looked like to an onlooker. I mean, even in your own circles and in your own spaces and how you've been raised, you can probably have some form of a picture of the other. Someone that, you know, God's grace expands to, but to really that far? Yeah, that person. Picture that person. That might have a name. It might be something that you're holding on to. Yes, even that person, even that space. This grace and mercy extends. So again, as Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper, I can't imagine what that must have felt like to the leper. The law said Jesus must avoid contact with him, and it threatened him with the terrible uncleanness if he allowed the leper to come within six feet of him. But Jesus reached out, and he touched him. The medical knowledge of the day would have said that Jesus was running a desperate risk of a ghastly infection, but Jesus reached out, and he touched him. Community restored in a moment. We don't, we don't know how long it was since he experienced human touch, but he did in that moment, and it was this reigniting of connection and community that was lost. Human compassion reignited. Hope blowing in on the embers of his ostracized life. He reached out and touched him. And then Jesus says to him, don't tell anyone about this in verse 4. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. There are many reasons that we may feel disconnected from community. And many people in our circles of influence, uh, lots of reasons why they may feel unloved. There may even be a specific hurt tied to their experience with, with the faith community, with religion, with, with God, because of how they were treated maybe by someone in the name of God. And Jesus sees right where you are today, right across Sherwood Park, right across Edmonton Metro. There is not an individual where he is not aware of and acquainted with the pain and whatever those barriers might look like. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said in that Sermon on the Mount. For, and realize their need of God for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who understand that it will take an act of mercy and grace to be accepted, to be loved, to be forgiven. Blessed are those. In the interaction with the leper, he lived this out. And he looks at you today. 
looks at my life today and declares in the face of our greatest need to be free, to know what it is to be loved, to know that love is the answer before it even becomes our answer or my answer, to know that it is the answer for my life. And he declares over my life and your life and to the whosoever life, I am willing. I'm willing today. Love was, love is, love will always be his answer toward us. And there's three things that I just want to remind us of today as we think about his love as the answer. Number one, similar to what, uh, what the mom here, what Augie's mom reminded us, wounds tell us where we've been, but they do not have to say where we're going. That there is this transformation that can happen when we are met by God through the person of Jesus. That as the Holy Spirit comes within us upon making a decision to follow Jesus and to receive his forgiveness, that there's something that happens to those past hurts, to those barriers that we've been carrying. They become transformed and the possibility to be used for our good and for God's glory comes main stage. That my wounds, yes, they tell me where I've been, but they don't have to determine where I'm going. That there's something supernatural that can happen as that meets the powerful hand of God. Secondly, labels lie, but love sets free. And I'm wondering today if we can be a people that refuses to adopt any messaging or any belief that someone or something is beyond hope. And that might be subconscious. It might be something that you have to intentionally go in and rewire because of, of how you've been raised or maybe uh, messages that we've adopted. But there is no one that you drive by, meet, been hurt by, that is beyond the, the possibility of transformation and, and hope coming alive in their life. Labels lie. Love sets free. Let's be mindful of our words. Let's be mindful of our actions to ensure that, yes, even Calgary Flames fans <laughs> feel the love. But seriously, no matter what, no matter who, labels lie. Love sets free. Know that for yourself. But, but again, as we talk about love being our answer, like this has to be lived through us, through our hands, our feet, our mouths, our presence. And then along those same lines, know that you've never looked into the eyes of someone who doesn't matter to God and isn't loved by God. I want you to sit in that for a second, that there's literally no one you've seen, no one you will see, even if that's in the mirror today. You've never looked at someone who isn't loved by God and doesn't matter to God. So there's this powerful passage of scripture in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Maybe you're here and you're sitting in this, this awkwardness of space between. And whatever that is, maybe it's your lived experience, maybe it's a lie you've believed, maybe it's someone's judgment or guilt or shame, whatever that gap is, maybe you're here wondering, yeah, that's great for the leper. I'd love to know what it is to genuinely feel and receive that kind of love and, and new beginning and transformation. But what about this and this and this? Well, Paul, or the author of, of Hebrews, shares an incredible hope that kind of helps us take those steps forward. And I want you to hear this. He says, so, so then, since we have this great high priest 
who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the one who represents our knees before God even now, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The author of Hebrews says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet did not sin. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. So again, as you think, what if or but, whatever that looks like, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Regardless of what you've believed, regardless of what's been spoken over your life or what your lived experience is, you can come with that boldness through Jesus. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So grace and mercy is ours to experience today. It's yours to know. And maybe you're listening online and you need to hear this today that whatever it is that you feel is stopping you from encountering God in a real way or from knowing what it is to be in relationship with him, there is nothing that can separate you from his love and that you have all that you need to come boldly because of what Jesus has done. Paul says in Romans that if we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus died for us, that he raised again from the dead, that we can have that new beginning, that we can walk in new life, that we can know what it is to stand in confidence, that we are his, that we are loved, because it's him who gives us that expressed value, who imprints that on your life. Not the world around you, not anybody that you face to this point, but it is through him. So maybe you are wanting to make that decision. Maybe you're wanting to come near and experience that connection with God. In this room or again online, if that's your story, I would love to pray with you. And in a moment, I just want to flip it and just talk for a few moments on what that looks like as love as our answer. But I feel like we just need to pause for a moment and just receive love as his answer to us. And whatever that space between might look like for you in your life. So maybe we could just pause for a moment and bow together. And if, and if you are here needing to reignite or start that journey of following Jesus for the first time or receiving his love for you, would you just pray this in the quietness of your heart? If you want to start that journey of following Jesus today, dear God, I acknowledge the space between. I choose today to receive your love and your grace and the hope of a new beginning. I acknowledge that I need you and I ask for your forgiveness. And from this day forward, I follow you. I receive your love to show your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as we talk through what it is to receive that, and if you have made that decision to follow Jesus, whether it's in this moment or sometime recently, and you haven't reached out and connected with your church family, there's a, a, a number that you can text FAITH to right here, 587-705-0599. That will help uh, your pastors, your Discovery family to walk with you if you've made that decision. Again, whether online or in the room today, you are meant to walk in community and be in family as you follow Jesus. So if that's you, would you do that? Text that number today. There's a quote that gets thrown around often. You know, be kind because everyone you meet is facing some kind of a battle. I mean, I think that's our lived experience. Like there's seasons in our life where you just, you're hoping for kindness. You know, you're putting, you're getting ready for work. You're stepping out on a Monday morning. You're hoping you're going to meet kindness along the way. We need to live this. This needs to be our model as we look at love as our answer. 
I always said we are all in recovery from something because we are all in need of his grace and mercy. We are all in need of new beginnings. We all need somebody and we can all be somebody's somebody. We're meant to do this together. We're meant to walk in community together. So again, as I was reading and preparing for today, decided to go on the Discovery Church website and have a little look at your about section and saw your core values. And I thought this is how I wanted to, to shape where we were going today, but also how I wanted to conclude. Just to remind you what this community is all about, why it was launched, how it's uh, kind of operated, how it's living in now Sherwood Park. Jesus is our focus. Community is our strength. Generosity is our privilege. Excellence is our standard. Joy is our choice. Freedom is our inheritance. People are our, pa our passion. Encouragement is our language. Servanthood is our posture. And love is our answer. And when we, when we realize that you don't have, have to have all of the answers to every this or that issue in society, that this can guide you into relationship that wherever you find yourself, that love is our answer, that to the whosoever, knowing what Jesus did in that moment, coming from this incredible manifesto and this teaching, and how he embraced the leper to say, I see how the society has treated you, I see the distance, but he reached out and touched him. Love has to be our answer wherever we find ourselves. So I want to close today with a poem from Steve Stockman, a minister out of Northern Ireland, and then a quick benediction as we wrap up today. And Stockman, this minister, he wrote this during COVID, um, the, during the pandemic and uh, some of the restrictions. He said, offer yourself to let go of a familiar script, to imagine a whole new way to be. Offer yourself to realign with God to be in sync with God's order of things to this Sabbath seemingly forced but maybe gifted. Offer yourself to sensible actions, to selflessly protect, to sacrificially serve family, friends, and strangers. Offer yourself to be a boredom breaker, a hope breather, to be an anxiety reliever, to be a conduit of being with, a contributor of love. That's my heart for you today as you face a Sunday evening, hopefully filled with family and friends and an Oilers win, that, that you head into this week with this sense of, I am meant to not only receive, but be a conduit of this incredible love that has the possibility to change any and every situation and life. And I close with this benediction today. May God the Father's love be a constant companion May Jesus' teaching be illuminated in the dark and may the Holy Spirit lead us into what to do for others and how to take care of ourselves. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you. And I believe Sheridan is coming. Awesome. Thank you.